Digital Cartridge Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Kegelbot on Twitter, and I have with me today uh, someone I've been wanting to have on the show for a long time. I, you know, through basically the fault of both of us being very similar planners um, and and uh, Austin having much more uh, to do than I do. One of the one of the few guests I have who I would I would say your schedule probably is busier than my own. Uh, is Mr. Austin Walker? Austin. Hi. It's years in the making. Wonderful to have trying you Trying to get here. me on this podcast. This is finally. great. Yeah. I just yeah. calling your agent all the time and uh, that's right that's yeah you know your people call my people yeah exactly we do lunch yeah, and it's it is uh it is it is good to finally have lined it up to where it worked yeah so. no no really exciting I'm, I'm super pleased about it i uh i expect um uh mutual friend dia will make fun of both of us for for having waited this long to do it but uh that's that's of course shout out to dia yeah if you're not getting made fun of by dia then what are you doing uh in the friendship (laughs) (laughs) but uh austin you 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 have many hats um how 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 is best like what's the best way to describe you as a professional these days i I don't know right like it's it's one of those things where it's like i have a day job and that day job takes the most hours of my week yeah i am i am the ip director a miserable title at possibility space (laughs) i was hired as world director and that became ip director somewhere along the line world director is so much better it's so much better but IP director does let me like elbow my way into different conversations that world director wouldn't because like world director is like lead writer and that's like shut the fuck up go back to your writer's (laughs) room asshole but IP director is like I get to say stuff like I'm not sure it's a good idea for the brand if we do XYZ thing that I hate you know what I mean like it's easy as the IP director I think NFTs fucking suck is like a thing I get to say (laughs) whereas as world director who cares right no business people care about that but well you also um, you also just like totally uh you totally jumped the market on that and saved the company a bunch of money so now you're like pressured too yeah (laughs) to be clear no one at my company was like we should get into NFTs but like if there was someone who said that I would be able to be like I am here to defend the IP, goddammit, you know, um, uh, protect the brand, etc. But, like, that's not what I do, right? What I do is lead a team of writers to do world building, okay. right? Like, that's what I do. And I work with designers to implement stories and quests and stuff around our world building or whatever, right? Um, and, like, that's that's what the job is. It's a lead writer on a game, you know? Yeah. Um, and I uh, get to work with artists to, to you know, so like, oh, cool, here's a world we built. Like, what's what's that look like? Or, hey, do y'all have ideas for X, Y, Z? So that's, like, what I'm doing most of my, my day. Uh, and then uh, I'm also a podcaster. Well, as yes, you might of course, know. of course. Uh, currently, those podcasts are Friends of the Table, an actual play podcast, which is we play tabletop games and we tell stories with them. Uh, that features a bunch of my friends or a bunch of people who are talented in their own right, uh, who are fantastic, Friends of the Table. Um, I also do Shelved by Genre, uh, a new podcast. I say that one second because I think it's the one probably people know the least. Um, I just started that with Cameron Kunzelman and Michael Lutz. We read uh, genre fiction, uh, which is a really, really big bucket, um, and we talk about it. There is so a right lot now of we it. Are, That's true. There is a lot, it turns out. Uh, and right now, we, you know, we kicked it off with uh, Book of the New Sun by Gene Wolfe. Oh, cool. Uh, which rules um, a sort of science fantasy uh, uh, epic with uh, some real literary leanings. It's a true classic, Um, yeah. It's a banger. Uh, We are nearing the end of the fourth book uh, now, so we have, like, a few more episodes of that, and then we'll do the follow-up, like, epilogue book, um, uh, Book of the the New Earth, I want to say it's called. I haven't read it. Um, So that'll be fun. 
and then and then we'll go on to something else. And we haven't we haven't decided what that is yet. I think there might be a vote for that. Uh, and then I do a more civilized age, which is a Star Wars podcast where uh, we had we watched six of the seven seasons of Clone Wars. We watched Andor. We watched the first season of Rebels. And then there was a strike or actually a pair of strikes. And so we stopped watching stuff that was directing people towards the struck platforms. Totally makes sense. Yeah. The AMPTP companies, though, obviously, now that seems like that might be done. Uh, but when we stopped doing that, what we did was we picked up Nice the Old Republic. So we've been playing through KOTOR, talking about that. I'm the only, no, that's not true, me and Ali, uh, uh, Ali uh, Akampora, who's also on Friends of the Table, um, uh, are the only ones who played KOTOR. Natalie Watson, formerly of Waypoint, and Rob Zachney, currently of Remap, um, have not played KOTOR before, despite being Star Wars people. And so, like, that has been really fun, seeing them get into that for the first I time. I thought for a second um, you were claiming that out of everyone, um, you know, existing, uh, that yeah, you in were the world, you I'm two the are the only, only people who played. Are the only who have played Knights of the Old Republic. It's, That's correct. It's an impressive claim. I mean, uh, yeah. It's, and I'm here to back it up. Take, take you that. You really played it. Is actually what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I will, I will, I will cop. I have not played uh, Kotor. Um, it is, it is on the the list of many games that someday I have to play. Um, it's an interesting thing to revisit. We we just did a, like a, a Patreon bonus for for. Q&A about like the first act of the game, basically. And one of the things we talked about was like, you know what? It sits at the beginning of like the modern, uh, you know, I mean, modern is a weird word, right? But like the 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 Bioware people came to know and love the console Bioware era, mm-hmm. right? It's like KOTOR kicks it off, and then they go from that to Jade Empire and from Jade Empire to Mass Effect, right? right? And by the time they get to Mass Effect, it's like, okay, this is what this company is. Um, and so you can see a lot of the scaling down from Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 into KOTOR, while still, like, it's the most still like one of those games in some ways from, of what they would make for the next decade, hmm. you know, after that. Uh, it's still like a D20 game, you know, <laughs> you're still rolling dice to hit. Right. You're still seeing the word miss pop up on the screen over and over again. Which, of course, you know? is like if any for anyone who's played Mass Effect is certainly not that. Right. But especially about Mass Effect 2, where it's like this is an action game and you can talk during it, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, the, it, it is truly a, a, an interesting thing to go back and play this and be like, OK, a lot of this is just here. Interesting. You know? It must be especially interesting playing something like that. I mean, like uh, one of the things I. So, so, you know, my, my knowledge of your work kind of starts at Waypoint, um, when you started Waypoint and like a lot of it sort of came as I was getting to know the, uh, video game writing world. Cause you know, I, sure. I kind of came at that from the Academy. I didn't know anything that was going on and I just kind of jumped in and then, you know, for better or worse and made missteps and good steps and whatever. But yeah, you know, getting to know your work was, was part of that. And, and you know, two things stood out to me. Um, the first was your work at Waypoint. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point. But like the other was, I forget if it was Dia, but someone was talking to me and they said, Austin is um, so good at what he does because he's always playing video games, uh, yeah. always playing something new. And it strikes me as like something very compelling to take something like KOTOR and put it in conversation, not just with like, as you've done with like the, you know, it's, it's contemporaries and the things that spawns, but like even, even like very, you know, recent things, like as you're talking about it, I'm thinking about Baldur's Gate three and I'm thinking, you know, like yeah, that connection you can't play it without thinking about Baldur's Gate three. Right. You can't, it's wild to think about it. Like someone basically wrote in and asked like, Hey, 
um, what would you if you if there was a remake of this today? What would you want it to look like, or what do you want it to feel like? And it's like you have to talk about Baldur's Gate three mm-hmm. in relation to that because the one of the things that's just so wild is you know the thing that happens with Kotor is Baldur's Gate one and two are huge RPGs. Like Baldur's Gate two is like a hundred, two hundred hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if you play all the expansions and, and if you're really like wringing everything out of it. And then KOTOR is like 30 to 40 hours, right? Baldur's Gate 3 is back to being 150 hours. I'm 100 hours in. I just got to Act 3. And like that, like um, uh, that, uh, uh, what's the word? I'm not bulging, but the, you know, the, the, the. <laughs> There's a word I'm looking for. The when something grows way too big too quickly. It's like a yeah. Um, God, uh, Can't believe busting out the expansive. The uh, like um, you know yeah. when something gets like it's, when it gets it bloats. swollen. Bloats it's, or it's, yeah, it's, swollen. Swollen's a good idea. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, you know, there's a word that people are shouting at us. <laughs> right now. Yeah, exactly. You know, bloated. It's bloated, and but it's but I like it. So like, is it actually bloated? Is the word is it actually bloated or is it just very big and long? Yeah, I don't. And I don't necessarily I don't think. I mean, I I really really have enjoyed, um, and I haven't beaten it yet because. Good Lord, how 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 could you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I know people who have, but uh, you know, I'm I'm the I'm the person who is just terrible at beating video games, and uh, right, you know, uh, Baldur's Gate three is 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 spectacular. It's just a wonderful game but to it's play. Fu- yeah, it, it's it's wild because like there are things that, that Kotor is doing that Baldur's Gate three is not doing, mm. partly because presentationally, like Baldur's Gate three is a tactical RPG. It's a top down isometric game. Yeah, and like when I think about like okay, well, what is giving me the feeling of the first time I booted up Kotor? And I was walking around Taurus, which is like the starting city, which is kind of like a Coruscant style place, right? right? Let's say like a mega city, and it's like. You know, there's plenty of stuff that's like, you know, you can go to other big AAA first person or third person RPGs, right? You could talk about Cyberpunk or something like that. But I think that's what's funny is like the thing that came to mind first when I was thinking about it was like Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor. Right? Mm. Like, oh, there's all these NPCs walking around and you're walking around a not that big world. But like there's the sense of breath and like you don't. Maybe you do get to Dyer's or Spaceport Janitor without KOTOR. I don't want to say it's like a one-to-one thing there. But that sense of what those early, you know, those, those kind of like mid-2000s, early mid-2000s RPGs that a lot of us played like KOTOR and Morrowind and stuff like that what were doing was like, oh, my God, there's a sense of a world here that's like running itself a little bit. Yeah. And like how how that has shifted into smaller games is actually fascinating. You know, um, it's interesting, too, how the how like that sense of being overwhelmed, right, has has drifted away. Like, I feel like the only games that existed in for a long time were uh, JRPGs when you'd reach a new town and especially CRPGs when you'd reach a new town. Right. Like this this sense of like, oh, I can't possibly uh, I I can't possibly encompass all this. There's too much here. Like the. uh, the feeling you get coming out of the crypt in um, in Planescape Torment, like it's like okay, this place is way too big. Um, but I feel like every game is sort of you know, and in, in its best moments, productively doing this. Like I felt that way in. Um, I'm recently been finally playing uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake through the whole uh, oh, thing, yeah, and like sure. it, when you get to Wall Market, it feels that way. Yep. Like it, it that that totally. sense of like productive stress of like how much yeah. stuff is here seems to be something that people are just like. I mean, maybe via Kotor's success uh, in part, just like. I think it's like, well, it's funny because it's like the thing about an RPG that does this is it does it in a, in a way that's about density and not about breadth sometimes, mm. right? Where it's like, you know, um, 
the on one on one end of the spectrum here, you have Starfield, which is like <laughs> that's that's just breadth. You know, it's breadth, right? And it's like it takes a certain version of this, really, really. You know, or or you know, you don't even talk about that, right? You can talk about like the GTA games. You talk about uh, what was the samurai open world samurai game? Oh, um, I almost said seafood. That's not right. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like big world, but like you know, a handful of locations with people. But like when I think about the way, I know I said Starfield. I said this, like I said the way RPGs do it. Unlike and I said Starfield, which is obviously an RPG, right? But <laughs> You're gonna get people so mad at exception you. box. But like contrasting that with a wide range of RPGs, where you think about like the city or the town in an RPG, ranging from Dragon Quest Twelve to Disco Elysium mm. to God. I started trying to play um, the what are the what is the. Oh my God! Trails, the trails, oh, the trails, the games. Heroes games, yeah, yeah, and it's just like, bro, there's like forty people to talk to in this town, and they have so much to say. That's how I felt about the. I Zeno, don't know that I have the time right now. The Xeno, uh, oh yes, the Chronicles, Xenoblade yeah, yeah Xenoblade Chronicles, Chronicles games. games. Yeah. It, my 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 buddy Mark Normandin has been uh, like pushing me to to finally play those games, and like uh, you know, fairly so. They're 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 pretty monumental games, but like. I felt like everyone had something to tell me in that game. Yeah, <laughs> and I dude. was like, well, no. People are talking. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 has a tutorial that lasts as long as many other games last, <laughs> basically. Like, you will be deep in that game still getting tutorialization, you know. Because basically, it's, like, it's a game that wants to teach you one mechanic per chapter. Mm. Like, it teaches you, like, a bunch of stuff up top. And then it's, like, every new act, there's a new big mechanic you didn't know existed. Yeah, it wants to be, like, an action uh, game. Right, totally. And it does that for 50 hours. And then it's like, all right, now you can go play the rest of the game. And I'm like, I have to go play something else because <laughs> I can't just keep doing this. But but know? if you walk away, then those 50 hours will all seep out of your head. Um, right. Well, this is the thing. If you go back to like what Dia told you, is like, I just play a bunch of games. I'm constantly playing games. That was, it turns out, I've learned this now. That was because I took the job of being a critic and being a podcaster Seriously, yeah. enough to where I would be playing stuff that I didn't know that I would actually like because I wanted to talk about something that week. All right, what am I going to find right. to talk about on this episode of this podcast? And let me tell you, in a world where I'm not on a games podcast every week, I'm not playing the stuff that I would normally be playing. <laughs> Interesting. You know, like I have stuff installed that I would like to play. I installed the Lamplighters League, you know, a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. which is the new thing from Hairbrain Schemes, who makes who made, uh, I guess they're still around for the remainder of the year, at least. Mm. They were cut free from Paradox, and there are a bunch of layoffs, which is extremely sad and frustrating. Just the current moment, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, they they made the Shadowrun uh, games in the 2010s. Excellent and games. They made, yeah, and then they made the Battletech, which is like one of my faves, mm-hmm. period. Uh, and they made this game Lamplighters League, and I haven't played it. And it's like, I want to play it. It's on. It's up my alley. You know, it's at the very least adjacent to my alley and, and you know, made by a team I really love. And, like, I have not been able to push myself to, like, sit down and play the new game the way that I would if I had an outlet for it, mm. you know? Um, I, you know what I have played in the last month is Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen <laughs> because it is, like, Someone massaging my brain. That's comfort food. Know? Yeah, no, I it is I get food. that. Like, exactly. So I, it is interesting because, of course, like, you know, it, this is something that that I think anyone who sort of like created content on some level has felt, where like it is, um, I don't know, it becomes a such a big part of 
why you do something is like, well, it's because someone asked me to, or like it's productive or, or whatever. Um, I remember, uh, it was like 20, I don't know, 2018 or something, um, that, uh, um, giant bomb, uh, it was really just Alex Navarro asked me to, um, do a top 10 for the year. And I was like, Oh cool. Yeah. This is great. Like I, what, what an honor, like I'm going to, I'm going to really do my best on this. And I did do my best and I played up, like I asked people, I was like, what games did you like? And I like, I played a ton of games that like, I were not even remotely on my radar and right. it was so cool. And so, so edifying. And I just haven't done that again. <laughs> and, and you know, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's very hard. Um, and especially as games come out, I mean, I, this is like a common refrain with people that like there just are so many games and they're all so like well thought out. I mean, I guess like this is something I could ask you. So like as a as someone who is like um, involved in the, the 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 production of of game spaces, I you know I won't get more specific than that. But like as a as a as an IP expert uh, and world uh, coordinator. Um, you know, like, how do you how do you approach something like that when, like, you're sort of looking at the world and saying, like, everyone is it's not game fatigue. It's it's simply like everyone has yeah. time fatigue, almost like a lack of yeah. any ability to to do the things that they need to do. And, you, you know, we live in a moment where there is a different, you know, I uh, currently I'm not playing any live service games. Mm -hmm. Right. But. Uh, you know, pick a year. I'll have a live service game that I'm keeping up with. Yeah. You know, or pick a pick a, a season. Maybe I've like dipped back into Destiny Two. Maybe I've decided to pick up some Gotcha game for a little bit, despite my best interests. <laughs> um, you know, maybe there's something that will have grabbed me for some amount of time that I'm trying to keep up with. Um, uh, and and a lot of people are out there doing that, right? A lot of people are playing Fortnite seasonally. A lot of people are playing you know, Genshin or Honkai Star Rail. A lot of people are playing something that comes out with new content every month or every two weeks uh, or is seasonal or you're trying to complete a battle pass or and trying to make something that fits into people's lives when they're already dedicated to something like that. Even if your thing is not one of those, you know what I mean? Right. Even when, you know, you know, uh, if I wanted to play the, you know, if I'm someone who's like, I want to play the Lamplighters League, um, but but also I want to keep up. You know, actually I do play a seasonal game. I do play a, a, a live service game. It's the New York Times Crossroads, <laughs> uh, and I just started Puzmo from Zach Gage, and so it's like that's taking up time that I could have put into Lamplighters League, right? Um, and so like the there is there's a real you know it's hard to compete against that stuff, yeah. and the strategies for competing against that sort of like dedicated connection thing you know is uh is not always like exciting or um doesn't feel good right like because you know what what knocks me off of uh, something that, that i'm like really deep into in that seasonal way normally it's oh a new zelda game came out or Baldur's <laughs> game, right, right. Like, most games don't have that pool you know well, or even there's uh, a new so, seasonal game right like that's that's part I, of the reason I, all this stuff is heading towards live service to yeah yeah yep. i think like i mean the other thing the other thing you pointed out is sort of goes back to what you were talking about with uh, dragon's dogma dark arisen is like there there is a kind of comfort food quality to video games at this point in that like we have so much that we can go to it's very tempting to be like oh yeah this is like this is the one that makes me feel good and comfortable right right i mean this is like this is the most i felt like you know i've i've 
left behind my previous life is without the compulsion to boot up um, Cobalt Core. I get Cobalt Core, a game I bought today or two days ago or something, probably won't play it for three weeks, sure. right? Uh, a sort of like deck builder, sci-fi, space, space thing with cute animal characters. Looks great. Looks great. I will need to have a day where my brain is numb already <laughs> and so that I can like add good things to it right. instead of it being like buzzing from too much work where I need something to numb it so that I can sleep at night. Yep. You know yeah, I exactly. Um, it's tough. So it's like, how do you compete against that? And I, I think that like to some degree, like competes maybe the wrong word, but how do you like get attention in a space like that? Uh, and I think that the, the answer that you find is mostly it has nothing to do with how good your game is. You know, the have you have you seen Darius Kazemi's lottery uh, talk before? I don't think I have. No, it's a banger. I think it was from. I'll have to check that out. I think it was from XOXO. Darius, uh, tiny subver- subversions uh, on the internet, um, uh, gave a talk that like basically boils down to like when you make a thing, what you're doing is buying a lottery ticket. Um, it and your success, I'm sorry to say, has very little to do with how good the thing is. You know, maybe it's useful if you make a good thing, maybe you get a second lottery ticket. You know, I'm, I'm also butchering this argument, right? Mm-hmm. So, apologies to Darius if this I found it, so I'll link it. I'll link it in the, in the episode, Please, yeah. But, like, fundamentally, the way that the attention economy works in the world at this point, you got to get lucky, right? You know, like, how many things do we now have we now seen? Just in video games, just in video games, like Among Us or Rocket League, games that are like have been out for some amount of time. Rocket League obviously was a previous version of it, and the world changed a little bit around it. Yeah. Likewise with Among Us, the world changed. You know, COVID happened, but Among Us had been out playable for a year, two years. Something it's like one that of my favorite little things to tell like parents because all, yes. all their kids are dressing like Among Us, and I, I you know, I'll at the. Um, the Halloween period this year, I was the parent because yeah. everyone knows that I do stuff with video games, whether or not they sure. know, you know, whether whether or not they actually know what I do. Uh, they know I know a little bit about video games and they they will ask me, you know, like, what's that costume? What's that costume? So I could be like, oh, that's Five Nights at Freddy's. That's oh, that right. that thing over right. there. That's right. that's Fall Guys. But like, yeah, I always pull that out. I'm like, Did you know, uh, Among Us was out before it just like it, it became huge. Like, imagine what that was like for those guys. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, and and for them, it's like they probably spent a year being like, "We fucking wasted a lot of our time," <laughs> or like, you know, maybe they had the the non brain broken version of this, right? Uh, the non Philly sports fan version of this. Yeah, I, I also wanted to like, on the show so I could propose the the ultimate Eagles podcast. Um, oh so yeah, absolutely. Good, yeah. We'll, we'll get there, right? <laughs> um, but the 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 version of that that is just like maybe we learned some things, but we made a game that didn't succeed. Mm-hmm. You know. And and it wasn't because the game wasn't good. Um, it's because it's like impossible to get attention. It's such so, a flooded market. I think yeah. that was a game I got, you know, emails about at the time. You know, it's like it still didn't get covered. Right. It takes something to break, you know, in some way, uh, and it's hard to compete against that. You know, I think the thing that back when I was in games press, the thing I tried to tell people constantly was like, you cannot expect to release a game on Steam and have anyone notice. Like you have to figure out a way to budget some amount of money for for you know uh, outreach or some amount of time. You can do it yourself, but like you have to put a key in the email boxes of people who play games on Twitch, who do YouTube videos, who review games. Like you have to get it out there. Um, uh, otherwise, you're just like not going to get that first wave of people, let alone the big wave that's supposed to come after. Right? You know? No, exactly. Um, and it's like. 
it sucks that I'm not saying that like the way to succeed in this in this world is to do critical, thoughtful, you know, uh, storytelling. <laughs> I, but I don't think that's the way to succeed. And if what you're trying to do is succeed in the marketplace, you have to succeed in the marketplace. And that fucking sucks. And uh, truly, I don't believe that I would be doing what I'm doing if success in the marketplace was what compelled, me, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's another big thing. I think like it, it is one of the things that uh, certainly from my perspective, coming at it from the way I did when I, when I first uh, sort of like started thinking about like, well, maybe I could write about games. Like it, it felt to me like, okay, well, one normal thing about, you know, thinking about games as opposed to being in the Academy is in games, like people care about like the bottom line, like it's, it's easier to know what people care about. And that's like just yeah, simply not yeah. true. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's so much more nebulous and strange. I feel like, you know, people will, people will talk about how, how upsetting sort of like, Waypoint going away is I will use that as an example, but like totally. a million places like just like the way aftermath just showed up like and the response to that people people are excited when things come back disappointed when things go away and and it, it's like, you know, I think part of that is people getting worked up at the idea of like, well, this this sucks because like the venture that these folks had failed right where. Right. It's so difficult to assign failure and success to that stuff, right? Even right. And that was like one of the big lessons I think from running Waypoint for years was like, oh, actually our success has nothing to do with uh whether we get more budget, whether we get uh you know traffic, yeah. uh or whether whether um you know it, we have a good relationship with a publisher, like it doesn't matter what our numbers actually are fundamentally. Um it, it so much of it comes down to personality, so much of it comes down to uh, where the company is at, or you know, writ large, uh, there is there were, were times when you know I, I forget when I, I said this recently. Maybe I didn't say this uh, onto into a microphone, so I won't <laughs> mind saying it again. But when the I had someone who was my boss for like years at Vice, um, and the like when she left, we got drinks. Uh, she left because she didn't want to be like the the person holding the hatchet for the next round of layoffs. Right, reasonable enough. Yeah. About, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And when we got drinks, she was like, listen, I need to tell you guys that like, I need to tell you that the reason you never get more budget is because you you manage with what you got. <laughs> and you're kind of like cursed by competency. Right. That like, <laughs> sure. You're I we always know we can cut your budget and you'll figure out how to how to still hit your traffic goal. That's pretty funny. And it's like fucked, right? Like he's like, oh, okay. I wish we weren't cool. as good at this as we are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Literally, right? Um, and you know, it's not the only thing. You know, I think I've told this story before. Or I've, I've talked about it in these terms that like Waypoint was profitable, but it was profitable by like a million dollars a year, which to me sounds like a fortune. Oh yeah, it's, I, um, as but, you said that, I was like, oh my god, a million dollars, um, right? And that we didn't get that money, right? That money goes right into the right into the bank, right into the the, the vice uh, bank, <laughs> right? Uh, but like a site like Noisy could be hypothetically, you know, making uh, costing thirty million dollars a year to run, but costing. I'm sorry, costing thirty million, but making twenty-seven million, mm. and to them, that's more worth putting more money into. Interesting, because the year that noisy theoretically hits, they could make forty million dollars that year and only cost thirty. Right? If they could f just figure it out. Right. We're talking about ten. We're talking about dozens of millions of dollars. We're not talking about 
individual millions of dollars. So like once you're on, let's say that's like on top of, you know, a sort of um, uh, uh, they've already invested all that money and they're like they're you know in for a penny and for a pound in a sense. Right. Uh, uh, kind of um, uh, God, I'm, I'm recording at night and I'm sick. So like, obviously, I don't have my words. You're, you're doing great. A sunk cost fallacy. That is the there. It is. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, sunk cost fallacy is 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 huge with with this with these people. Like, uh, and like you can see it in baseball teams and stuff too. Like uh, to, to yeah. bring it back to sports, like it's it's this idea that you know the little things are the things that you can kind of count on as wins, right? Like like you guys being profitable device in a small way is a win for them that they can then like take a big swing at something. And it's just like it's such a messed up I, I mean I've said this in a million podcasts, but like it is such a um it's such a crummy way of thinking about um I don't know, it's such a crummy way of thinking about people. Um yeah. To, to sort of be like, yeah, like uh, some of these people are very uh, useful to our company and uh, and our bottom line. Some of these people uh, are, are are real assets that we're trying to build. <laughs> it's just like once you yeah. start thinking about people that way, it really is like it's it's absolutely it's truly difficult to to come back from that. Like the one that gets me with baseball always. I think this is a broader sports thing, but I, I feel like people talk about it more in baseball is like. You talk about like your your championship window. Oh, in baseball yeah. A lot. The window is open. The window is closed. The yeah. window is open. The window is closed. Exactly. And it's like, you know, there are people whose entire career is with windows closed teams. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you might as well be saying that I am living shit. You may as well say that I'm not worth the breath I'm taking out of this room. You know, and it must like it must just be like I, I can't imagine the confidence that the like people in sports have in that like they just have to be like you know what that's what they think of me but i'm gonna i'm gonna prove them wrong it's cool but like it's it's preternatural like it's it's why people are like you know sports people are kind of sociopaths i think that's part of it like i just think it's so much harder in baseball than like anything else yeah i I mean obviously base basketball also has a billion games a year but like baseball has so many games a year that like if your team is not good your team is not good uh, and you're not going to get the like any given Sunday effect. You know what I no, mean? It's, um, whereas, yeah, Tilly, my daughter was learning about baseball this this year because uh, we were watching the Phillies a little bit. The Phillies, yeah. um, and uh, it was a great season. Like you know, the ending yeah. ending was not what I wanted, but a really fun season. And like. It, you know, she was asking. She was like, "Well, has anyone won every game?" And I was like, "No, that can't happen. Like the, can't. the best teams in baseball lose." Um, like the you know you look you look at like the twenty um, the twenty eleven Mariners and it's like yeah they lost uh, I'm sorry two thousand one Mariners not the twenty eleven Mariners lost a lot more games mm-hmm. two thousand one Mariners lost you know won a hundred and twenty odd games one hundred twenty one games and like you still lose like forty games <laughs> it's like yeah. that's a lot you're of games win all, you're just not gonna right exactly whereas like I think this is part of the appeal of something like football is that like Josh Dobbs for the Vikings <laughs> uh, you went, the like, Admiral and, maybe. You know, not just the Vikings this year. He was also with the Cardinals for a few months. That's right. And beat the Cowboys. He beats the Cowboys for the Cardinals, then goes over to the Vikings and beats uh, the, the Falcons, right? Yeah. Um, and, like, great football. You know what I mean? And, th- and those wins, like, matter in a weird way. And I don't know that the Vikings are contenders now. You know what I mean? Like, it's not... 
That's not what you know, I most mean. normal I, Vikings fans I know, like uh, my buddy Eric uh, Hain, uh, also my, like my buddy and my agent Eric Hain, is just like I don't know if this team is good, but they're fun again. Yeah, yeah my stepdad is a is a Vikings oh. fan. My stepdad's a Vikings fan. My dad's a, a Cleveland Browns fan. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so, it's 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 rough. This and is, I'm an this, Eagles. This fan. is some family. So, yeah, like, yeah. My mom's a, a Steelers fan, right? So oh, like, everyone must everyone uh, must hate your mom. Come come uh, football it season. Is, it is. Yeah, there is there is real. You know uh, the 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 arc I've just drawn is very interesting. Right? It is. It, it's, um, it's stressing me out a little bit imagining being married to <laughs> someone who's a division rival. <laughs> it was it was it was tough, I think, you know, is what I would say. Uh, but the you know, at this point, it's like a win could open the, the feeling of possibility. The Cinderella moment can happen mm-hmm. in certain sports and in other sports. It, it feels like it's just it's just a job, you know, and like you're just going to fucking go out there and strike out. Or or you know whatever and like and get back get back to work you know uh, Ed Oliver and, uh, the defensive tackle for the Bills had like a quote today that that people got all mad about where he was like he was asked how he felt his individual season was going and he said he said pretty good like I got um, he's like I got how many do you say like yeah you know, he said he got five sacks and he's like that means that I only have to get. Uh, three more sacks to get to my uh, contract incentives, uh, <laughs> and everyone was pissed about it. Like someone, so like a Bills Dude. Bills beat writer, or like someone follows this was like, this is how people think about their jobs. Like, yeah, come on, this is just life. Yeah, that's that's it. You know, like I'm sure he's like wants to win the games too. Like you don't get to this point unless you're like. A little crazy right. about winning games. Unless you've lost it a little bit about sports, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, it's just like, yeah, you know, you're you're going in there every day and and yeah. trying to to just like dominate people and getting beaten up on the line and stuff. Of course, you're going to be like, well, you know what? Maybe I won't win every one, but I'm gonna, I'm definitely I'm gonna, gonna make some money on the bonus. way. Yeah, yeah. Listen, you're trying to buy your mom a house or whatever, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, there was a, I was watching, um, J.J. Reddick has a pod, okay. uh, which like J.J. Reddick, Reddick, bracket, uh, <laughs> you know, he's kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, but he had, um, he had, um, who do you have on? Who am I, who, what is this podcast that I'm thinking of? Uh, he had on, uh, 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 what's his face? Iguodala oh, okay. uh, uh, from from the Golden State Warriors yeah. and Evan Turner. It was a really good episode of this podcast. I'm gonna I say that because like it's the only episode I've ever I've ever listened to. I've, never listened I've to only seen clips right. of it. I've seen like when he talks to people. Uh, like right. I got to admit, they're like interesting. Like, yeah, this one episode was like was was like really good. Uh, mostly because like getting to hear Iguodala talk about you know Warriors stuff was fascinating. Yeah. Oh, he's an, um, but, he's an amazing person. That guy's super smart. Yeah, he's like brilliant. Him, him and Evan Turner have like a really great like brotherly love type vibe. Mm-hmm. That's like they have good old stories. Even though they you know they didn't uh, they played together briefly somewhere. I forget in where. Philly, right? Bef- I think it was in Philly, it was Philly before Iggy came to went to went to to Golden State. Yeah, that's actually right. So they had like Philly era stories. In fact, um, uh, but w- one of the things that Evan Turner talked about was like losing that little bit of crazy edge, mm. right? That like. He stopped believing he was that guy, yeah. and it ruined his. And and he let, um, he decided he was going to be a position player. He decided he was going to be a facilitator. Mm. He decided he was going to like, you know, play his role. He's going to be a role player. You know, interesting. Um, and it like ruined him. It like crushed that confidence. That's like fake confidence. You know, like everyone on the podcast was like, it's not real. Like it's not. 
uh, you're you're lying to yourself when you tell yourself you're that guy, right? But like to even get that far, you had to have done it at least a little bit. Yeah. Like it's really hard to get through the machine without convincing yourself that you're better than all these other people. Um, and that, that, that once that breaks and once you are like, I'm going to go to work today, it's really hard to excel at that point because you've stopped buying your own hype, basically. Really interesting, fun conversation. And like, that's not, let me tell you, that's not just sports. Well, I was going to say, right? like, it, it's fascinating hearing you talk about that because like, I mean, it's fascinating just in terms of thinking about like his, the villain persona and then how that, uh, how that kind of like fell apart for him. And, yep. um, yep. this is, this is, uh, this is why in an alternate life I would be pitching you. A, a sports podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wish I had the fucking time. I wish, no, no, I was going to say, I wish you had the time too. Uh, I wish I had the, well, I mean, I always, I always just make bad decisions with my time, so it's okay. Um, but the, you know, like what's interesting is thinking about what you're saying there in terms of, in terms of uh, video game writing, like the, the level of just animus, right. That, that is out there just generally within you know, even like even like genuinely nice people, uh, genuinely nice writers, the like the perception of animus, the perception of like, well, this person doesn't think like I'm good enough or this person doesn't think like I'm like the best writer that's ever lived. Um, yep. It 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 poisons you like I, I like the first time I ever interacted with you was pitching you something that was just like stupid. Um, and in my own head, I thought it was great. Um, it was just when you opened Waypoint, and I was like, this is so good. Um, I can't wait to pitch this. They're going to, like, fall all over themselves. Because, like, at that point, it's like I thought, you know, I'm I'm coming, you know, I'm, I'm slumming it. I'm slumming it. For, right, like, right, right, right. You're, this is... You're you're an academic, right? And and you're gracing us. Yeah, exactly. Which like in it, games. It, 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 which which to be clear, I walk that path. I know how this feels. It totally, yeah. And like I, I'm like I'm saying that, and like if anyone is in that moment right now, like I'm not judging you even. Like it's it right, truly right, is right. sort of like how it feels. It, it's like you've you've been told your whole life that you're like the special. Get your person. contractual sacks in. Like mm -hmm. get paid. You know yeah, what I mean? exactly. I mean, you like tell yourself that for this moment. Yeah, it's like all right. Go well, you know, it, I'll but... slum it and become like a star in this world because like I couldn't quite make it in the real place. And like, it's, it's not true, but it, it's easy to believe it is. Um, well, you know, it's, you know, it's a terrible, it was a terrible idea. And, and I, I pitched it. You reasonably said like, eh, I don't think so. <laughs> and do you remember what it was? I'm so curious. Uh, I was like, how much of an asshole was I? No, you were really it? nice. Um, okay. you were super nice. Uh, God, I bet, you know what? I bet if I'm, I, if I'm willing to debase myself enough, I bet you can go look it I up. I bet I have the email. Um, God. Yeah, yeah, I know. July 25th, 2016. So we 2016. So we hadn't actually been launched yet. We were doing we were vice gaming still. We were we were running pieces. I just started there uh, 14 days prior because I started on the fourth. Weird that I know this. <laughs> uh, sorry, 12 days prior because I started on the fourth. I know how math works. Um, and I know exactly that the I can I can put myself in the headspace of the types of pitches I was getting then. Are you willing to tell me what? The <laughs> yeah, pitch I am. This is embarrassing, but you were actually okay. super nice about it. And I remember being pissed. Like I remember being like irritated with you. And this is this is why I say this is why I share this because like it was a stupid thing to be irritated with you about. And it was like uh -huh. it was something that like I carried with myself for like a year or so. And then like I found out you were pretty like fun and decent guy. And I was like, you know, this is stupid. Um, but like, this is the kind of like, you know, 
Well, okay, so I said my name's Trevor Strunk. I've been doing analytical, literary, critical writing about video games for a while now. Not really true. I think my style might fit with Vice is looking for. I've had two links to PDF of my recent work. Um, a series of articles on the Metal Gear franchise through the solid games. I'm interested in playing through each game with an eye towards two evolving problems. One, how does each yeah. game instrumentalize and thematize surveillance through its game mechanics? Two, how does this evolving sense of surveillance inform the thematics of philosophy of each individual game? What's interesting is like this basically was just the chapter in my book, which is what it needs to be. Like it is what it needs to be. Is that which is what I'm what I'm hearing is uh, that's a lot of work for a freelance pitch. Yeah, and you said you basically said like, can you give me a lot of more in terms of length and arguments for these concepts are fine, but I can't greenlight a decent concept alone given the amount of pitches I received, which is like incredibly like I I don't know what I was thinking when you said that. Like that's like okay, like yeah, I, yeah like really what I'm saying is like, what's your argument? Yeah, right. Um, what are you trying to argue the the games do with surveillance? And so right? I I gave you a ton of stuff, and you said that's a massive amount of space you're looking for. Because <laughs> like I was, I was asking for two thousand twenty five hundred words per game, and you said like we're looking for articles. Of yeah, 1, Jesus 000. Christ, stupid. Yeah, for one thousand, that's a lot of work. Yeah, that's a lot of work that you're signing yourself up. Yeah, for. Yeah, you said it's really pushing yes. it without a clearer piece. Especially true because much as like all the game criticism is not something most audiences are interested in. You make them ask for them once per general idea, get some solid response. By the time you get to second, third, or fourth games, uh, start. Central idea, there could be more room for this, but it sounds like you might just be better off doing this as a massive long form piece like Gama Sutra or as a pay what you want premium piece somewhere. Good luck and feel free to pitch us articles in the future. Um, which I, yeah. I didn't do because I was like, I was so irritated. But, but like, I've been there to be clear, I have been exactly there w- before where I, well, like, this is the thing, right? Is that like, um, I pitched. You know, okay, well, here's the thing. This is now the way I want to tell the story is, well, I was, of course, right, obviously. <laughs> well, no, and, but I pitched... And you're on this podcast, my, so you were, you were correct. It was... Uh, yeah. Right, this is true. I Well, I, I pitched... Um, there's a piece I wrote years ago for Paste about Watch Dogs 1 and uh, Shadow of Mordor. Mm. Uh, and I pitched a version of that piece that was not as honed as the one that eventually gets written for Paste, but to Polygon. Okay. And it got... It got, um, it got like... Effectively shot down in a way that made me feel like I should never pitch Polygon again, mm. right? Um, uh, and instead, I ended up bringing it to pace. At that point, I had you know some months had passed. The the and to be clear, the initial pitch was not as good as it could have been. You know, uh, God, I don't. I actually don't know if I have it. I don't know <laughs> that I actually have the real human beings pitch that I that I. But it's okay. It, you uh, don't have to. You don't have to but, debase yourself on this. It's okay. Uh, it would be funnier if I could, though. <laughs> that's you true. I mean, I mean, listen, that's, I can I can demand it of myself, but I can never demand it of my exactly. guests. But yes, it would be funnier exactly. if you could. Yeah, I don't have okay. it. I have it. I have it. I have the, I have the pitch to Garrett over at Paste for when I eventually, um, uh, got it approved. Mm-hmm. But I don't have the version of it from when it was killed, which is a shame. Mm. Um, but. You know, uh, eventually I got it written for 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 uh, for paste. And uh, but it's, it was the same thing. It was like I sent Polygon this pitch that was like really biting off more than they knew I could chew. Yeah. You yeah. know, I think that's part of it, too. Oh. Right? It's like if you've never worked with somebody before, it's really hard to be like, all right, am I green lighting and closing that budget off <laughs> for for this thing that I've never seen this person, you know, you sent me work, obviously, so I knew you could write, but it's like, I've never, we've never gone back and forth on edits or whatever. Yeah, right? no, so I would, I, that's tough. In your shoes, if like, if I was put into your shoes right now, I would make the exact same decision. And like it, I think what's interesting about it all, right, is like, you, you sort of go back to like, feeling like you're that dog or whatever. And like, it, 
I think what's what's so fascinating about that mentality is you do kind of lose something when you're when you're all of a sudden like, yeah, I would never pitch that completely outlandish story. Like I would pitch something different. I pitch something like a little a little more um, concise, like a little a little closer to like a general argument. It would be one article. Yep. I do, but like yep. there's also something about being like an outlandish weirdo that I think that also helps your prospects of, of being a good writer. Um, it, well, yeah. this is like, this is the thing that's like, when I think about my career as a critic, um, partly I think I, I won the lottery in the Darius Kazemi term, mm. right? Like I really do think, uh, partly it was the right place, right time. Um, partly it was, which is to say, um, 2014 happens, mm-hmm. right? right? Uh, 2014 happens. I've been writing as a critic for a little bit. I, you know, I, my arc is very weird because I was writing as a critic in like 2009, right? 2009, 2010, um, and no one cared, right? Oh yeah, no, <laughs> at that of course. Point. I had a handful of small, I, you know, n- no one cared as strong, right? I was running a tiny site called One Last Continue. I was the North American editor for it. I was not the EIC, but I was like. You know, and this is like me and my friends who used to comment on Kotaku articles, right? Like truly, the, the kissing Susie Colber of, uh, of video games, exactly, right? Like that is the that is, and the and God bless it, the world was filled with fights like ours at the time. You know what I mean? That style of blog slash you know fan run website was everywhere, and you could just do it by yourself and sign up for an ad network and make a couple bucks and it was never a super success. But what it did is like start getting me invited to press events. And this was in New York at the time, right? Mm-hmm. This was in New York in 2009, 2010. That's not, um, that, that is not, uh, actually it's more like 2008, 2009. I'm thinking about it because by 2010 I was in grad school. Mm. Uh, but 2009, um, you know, uh, there's a tiny New York game scene, right? That is like end guy, uh, and guy Kroll, who's now a, a consultant, uh, Evan Narcissus, who is like my big brother, who like I wrote the New Day comic with, right. and who has been like a, a mentor for me for years. Uh, Totillo was still at MTV at the time. Like Kotaku's offices were not like there was not the sense of a New York office for Kotaku. Giant Bomb wasn't out here yet. Uh, Polygon wasn't out here. You know, Polygon didn't exist yet at this point. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Um, uh, and, and remember, Polygon starts as a West Coast studio mostly, or a, 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 a outlet. You know, I don't think I actually knew that. That's really a interesting. New York outlet. Yeah, or I, maybe it was split at the beginning, but it was not a dedicated New York outlet. You know, there were a lot of people out west. Uh, it only became a New York one. Or, you know, in the mid 2010s, basically, mm. as far as I recall, maybe I'm wrong about this. People could write in and tell me. Yeah, I'm please, wrong. please. Anyway, write in and tell Austin that he's wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, anyway, like so from there, it was like um, the the, uh, you know, I ended up going to grad school and becoming the guy who's in grad school. Uh, and I spend just enough time in grad school to get ready for the terrible year that is 2014, <laughs> where Gamergate happens and, you know, the killing of Mike Brown happens. Right. And I am I've stumbled into being ready to talk about this stuff and to talk about games in a way that we have decided we want to take seriously um, because not taking them seriously has partly led to gamer. Right. Right. right? Yeah. And there is this impulse. And I think it's a similar impulse to, to another big bump in games crit that happens post Trump where it's like people care and they, they've convinced themselves that it's like when I say people. I don't mean like there are people who've always cared about games crit even before it was games crit people have cared about games you know what oh, I mean yeah like, of course I mean you're a small there is a small group of people I don't want to dismiss those people you know what I mean 
Um, but there is a sort of um, uh, <laughs> there there is a, a liberal like middle America moral majority, <laughs> the the silent majority who don't give a fuck about it, right? But when it's part of a larger cultural project that they can feel good about being part of and they're interested in because that's just like the way the wind blew and like for the next year we're all going to try our best to like be politically aware, right? You know, Trump won. We all have to fucking, you know, pull up our, our, our pants and like get back to work. Yeah, let's let yeah. And, and that, that was that was the that was the era of like centering like we need to center X uh, group. Diverse voices. Yes. yes. And yeah, 100%. We need to be thoughtful about the content that we're consuming. And like I'm not saying people weren't that I'm not saying that that wasn't genuine, but I am saying that it was caused Right there that they didn't people didn't wake up and decide unilaterally to, to center black voices. <laughs> no. That was a result of being of them feeling guilty for the first time in their lives in some cases uh, because Black Lives Matter, like put some ideas in their mm-hmm. heads. Yeah. For the first fucking time. Right? No, absolutely. Um, and I benefited from that greatly. You know, I don't which I don't mean to say, like, I am a diversity baby or like I'm a quota. You know what I mean? No, like, I don't think that's the case. But like I was perfectly positioned to let people, people who would not have read my work a year before, suddenly were interested, and I was hitting. Let me tell you, I had some hits. You know, uh, if I was, if I'm like talking about my career like a sports star, like that was my like, you know, I was, I was on fire in some ways, and partly because like I was in grad school. Oh yeah, and you know what it's like. What's what's two thousand words? This is why you're pitching me six thousand, eight thousand exactly. words. Exactly, right, and like that was literally while I was writing my dissertation. I was like, oh yeah, this is like what you'd need for that. Uh, Truly, yeah. difficult takes a day, impossible takes a week. Like I'm gonna just churn out words. Words are free. Yeah, words it's words are easy for me to write. Words. Well, and it's it's one of those things. Like again, like you're sort of talking about that that like that confidence, and I, I think like on some level, um, I think your prose just to just to as as like one person who writes to another like i i feel like your prose is a little this i want to say this like this is a true compliment i'm, I'm complimenting i'm not saying <laughs> like my prose is not better than yours it's like it it is i feel like your prose like you were you were able to massage it much more quickly into something people would want to read uh well let me tell you it's the other way around yeah. Which is, I never really had the academic voice. <laughs> well, no, that's good. Which is that, Having the academic right, voice which is, is a that, nightmare. Like, it's really, and it was, it was holding me back, truly. Like, you know, I finished my master's, and one of the notes on one of my drafts for my master's program was like, this reads like you want to take the reader on a journey, um, but that's not what this is. You need to tell them where you're going up front, which is right. And it took me years to realize that that was right. I was, I was in reading a friend's master's thesis uh, <laughs> uh, to give notes on it, and I was like, Dude, you got to tell me where you're. I was like, oh shit! Oh no! This is me. Yeah, this is me reading me. It, yeah. yeah, it was one of those things where it was like it was someone who's doing um, a friend of mine, Sam, who was doing a uh, a music uh, culture theory, cultural theory type type piece okay. uh, about um, about folk music. I want to say, uh, but it was like folk growing out of blues, and like race did not come up for sixty pages. Oh no! And like page after page after page after page, I'm like. I need you to mention race. And I'm in Canada, right? So I'm like, is this just not like, have y'all not talked about the history of rock and roll and the history of blues? And like, like what? Ha- and then you get to page 60 and, and page 60 is like, 
there's obviously a huge topic that hasn't come up yet. It's like, oh my <laughs> god, that. put that on you page two. You have to tell me this on page two that you're going to get there because if you don't, I'm not going to be a generous reader from pages one to sixty. You well, know? that is the one thing uh, that that the academy has going for it. Like I, I, I did that. Yes. I did the thing your friend Sam did because like I'm a like I feel like every white male academic does this at some point. And it's important that you find out that you did it. And then like someone tells you like, you kind of screwed up and you're like, Oh shoot. Sorry. I mean, I did it f- not with race, but with other shit right? yeah. where it's oh, like, that's true too. Yeah. You, you're not writing a detective story, right? Yeah. Right? You, I get the idea, the feeling of, I want to bring you along a journey with me of discovery. Um, but my point being, you know, another, another comment I got a lot as a writer, um, or as an academic writer over the years is like, you write as if you're writing a speech, not as if you're writing a, uh, an academic paper, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is written to be read out loud. Um, and like, little did I know, I would end up spending most of my life in front of a microphone, right? right. Um, uh, and obviously this stuff isn't the, my, uh, we're not scripted right now. We are not. Uh, <laughs> Amazingly, we did us, not write, if this was all in a script, it would be one of the most psychotic things. If I, it was scripted though, we would deserve <laughs> like acting This, Yeah, this would be the for, best scripted uh, set of, and acting, <laughs> this is like, this is like clerks on, on speed at that point yeah 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 absolutely exactly exactly and we don't have like we don't have video cameras right. like we're like reading each other's body language <laughs> it's wild anyway the point is uh you know very much so that 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 same thing happened for me um uh of like you know you you come into this space and you kind of think okay w- how do i differentiate myself um and especially if you're coming like you and i from academia it's like how do i lean on what we have already the which is which is, I can write quick. I know how to argue. I know how to compile information and research. Because right. people don't know how to do that, you know, or they don't know that it's important. Is maybe another common way, right, of thinking about it. That, like, when you sit down to write something, uh, uh, I know this as I've read your work, uh, you've done reading around right. it. You yes. know what I mean? If you were going to write those MGS pieces for me, um, you would have gone and read a lot about surveillance. Yeah, no, exactly. Right. And I like I had the reason I was even thinking about that was because I had done a lot of work on surveillance for my dissertation. Right. <laughs> like exactly. And it, you know, it's exactly. It, it, it's interesting too. Like, it, you know, like piecing together a lot of this stuff about like, you know, sitting down and doing the reading, like you know, making arguments, kind of like crafting a story, like. It, it is it is very true in the academy that like stuff like journalism is looked down upon because it's not peer yep. reviewed or whatever. But like, which is ridiculously it's bullshit. Stupid, like, yeah, it's, it's just ivory tower bullshit. But like, one hundred percent. But it's also like what's lost in all of those stupid pieces that are constantly written. Like the the one I always remember is from the the New York Times about comics, which is like I wrote my. Um, uh, the college sort of honors thesis on on comic books as literature. You know, before I was into video games, I was into comics, and like I was amazed by like you know these articles that were like zip zap zow comics not for kids anymore, <laughs> and like right, video right, games right. get that too. Chris Ware, yeah. et cetera. <laughs> exactly. right. What was always it was always understanding comics, which like. Oh sure, sure. I, sure, I like. Sure, I, sure. I I have such. A, I had such a grudge, and probably still have somewhat of a grudge p- towards poor Scott McCloud for understanding comics. Um, I never really liked it that much. <laughs> like those articles didn't help. Yeah, sure. I, I'm sure he's yeah, a nice yeah. enough guy. 
it, this is the problem of like a thing to get, gets a life of its own in culture yes. after the person makes yes. it. You know, yeah, and like it, it, as as like a thing, it's perfectly charming. As like the thing that the Times is telling me to read, it's completely aggravating. But like, I feel like I feel like what you're saying there, like the all this stuff that that goes on in the academy is not like it's not divorced from what people just like to read in their leisure. Right. It's just that right. you are elevating it to a point where you're like, well, only me and my friends are going to be able to read this. Like this is important, serious work, not meant for like, you know, sitting around by the, by the, you know, computer and reading. Um, right. And like part of, part of why I think, you know, uh, writers like you and Dia, um, and like uh, the writers in the aftermath site, uh, like a lot of a lot of like, and even you know, even if you're going into sports, like the the defector folks and stuff like that, yep. like the reason yep. a lot of this stuff hits is because it's smart stuff that is also not insulting its audience, which is right. I mean that that coming into games, I really do think like if I if I was to pinpoint something that your editorial tenure at Waypoint did, I think it's that it made it so that it was okay to be smart about video games without treating your audience like idiots. Like even, even in the email, right? Like you, you mentioning that I should write that for Gama Sutra. I don't think like if I, if I, if I like pitch that to someone now, they, they still reject it, but I don't think they tell me to pitch it to Gama Sutra. I think they'd say like, you can drive Polygon or whatever. Like maybe they want it. Yeah. Like it is, it's a different yeah. world. It's not just rock, paper, shotgun and Gama Sutra. That'll, you know, publish your, your like brainy pieces. Um, yeah, and I think that's yeah, good. Like, definitely it's really shifted good. there. I, you know, it's it's so tough because I feel like on one hand I think that you're 100 percent right that like Polygon would run a good, a really good, well researched piece about Metal Gear and surveillance. They would run that now. Mm-hmm. They might need to be hooked to something. So like the Metal Gear three re re release. You know what I mean? <clears throat> they might need a uh, uh, something that like you can tie it down to because people are searching for the word Metal Gear right. on their website. Yep. Um, but, uh, or on, on Google in general, right? No one uses websites. Um, uh, but then, then at the same time, I, I still really think that there has been a, uh, you know, the, the last episode of Waypoint Radio, uh, I left it on this kind of message of like, listen, do not like get like well rested. Don't, don't lean back and think that we kind of did it because I can sense that we got some real back to brunch motherfuckers out here right now <laughs> who feel like they've done the work and they're done. Yeah. You know, uh, we knocked out the dude from the office and now we're all good to go. We reported the news, you know, like uh, <laughs> Donald Trump was caught in compromise to a permanent. You end, stopped the plane and, and now, told them that uh, that no one is talking right, about yeah. Braid anymore. Jonathan Blow is yeah, not as exactly. serious as he used to be. And, and, and I really think that there has been that. Uh, in the years since then, like, uh, obviously, I said that right before COVID happened um, and COVID genuinely made a lot of people more tired, yep. <laughs> both literally via long COVID and via COVID, but also just like it was an exhausting, fatiguing, traumatizing experience to live through. Absolutely. Um, and and there truly was a vibe shift, uh, I think, post COVID, uh, but even through COVID, where it's just like, I don't, uh, you know, people I find... And, and to some degree, I'm not I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I, I'm I think that a lot of people like learned the lessons of the 2010s and feel like, all right, I can now enjoy my trash in in the right like mind space, which I think I'm I'm fine with. Generally speaking, you know what I mean? Like if you want to go play whatever game, you know what I mean? If you want to go play Kagura Sensen, Sen, 
whatever <laughs> you know the game I'm talking I about, do. right? If you I know what you play mean. Titty Puncher 22. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, <laughs> fucking go for it. Have fun. Titty I'm not here to like lecture you against it or whatever. Right, right? yeah. Um, uh, whereas like in 2014, like that is what we were all doing. We were like, listen, Titty Puncher 14 is like pretty sexist, dude. <laughs> Did you not notice that it's called Titty Puncher 14? <laughs> um, and I think to some degree, a lot of people are like, all right, whew, okay, let's, who else is getting caught in that swing? You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, who's actually making Titty Puncher 22? Is it is it actually like a bunch of queer people who are like exploring something <laughs> kind of fun and interesting, right? Like, we've kind of like calmed down in, in that respect well, in some way. But there's also, but oh, also, yeah, finish. when someone runs an article that like makes a, a, a strong claim, um, a lot of people don't read it in good faith anymore. No, I have seen a lot of a lot of stuff that five years ago would have been extended, like the good faith that, like, okay, this was kind of a this is an argument that maybe comes on a little too strong, or like it, it doesn't quite draw the connective tissue. But I get what the person is saying. You know what I yeah. mean? Uh, five years ago, you know, I, I wrote I read I wrote a review for uh, about uh, Monster Hunter World years ago, in which I make a connection between, like, contemporary hunting culture and, like, Instagram hunting. Oh, that's interesting. And and the Donald Trump, like, or, like, the kids of Donald Trump, like, posing with, like, dead animals from Africa and stuff like that, right? And but also, I'm like, this game fucking rules. I'm trying to work through my feelings about this, right? Yeah. And at the time, I got some, like, assholes being jerks to me about it, right? But, like, whatever. They were already assholes. Today, I think if I made that claim, or if I wasn't Austin Walker and wrote that piece and made that <laughs> right. claim, there'd be a lot of people who would have five years ago been like, cool, cool review, Austin. Today would be like, you're reaching, you know, mm -hmm. just, you know, not they wouldn't say like stick to games necessarily. Like they're not all the way there, but they would they might call it virtue signaling. You know, Absolutely. You know they might be dismissive of it by and large. Uh, and and I find like that is that to me is a bummer. And that's the where like, yes, Polygon will run. Cool stuff. Games crit in a way that it wouldn't have a decade ago. Yeah. Um, but there, the audience I find is less generous to the idea of games crit that is actually challenging. You know what? What their taste? No, that's that's say. very true. And I think like you know one of the one of the things that you're saying that I find really interesting is like it is this it's this shift from and I don't want to I mean like it just feels so mean to 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 specifically call her out because like I, I don't have anything against Anita Sarkeesian. I like don't care. Um sure. I yeah, I sure. never found her work particularly like investing, but like that's not her fault. I don't I find a lot of work not particularly interesting. Right. <laughs> so, all right. Yep. Um but like it's interesting and good that we've moved past the basic sort of like feminist frequency thing of being like look uh, agent forty agent forty seven is you know, dragging women around, this game is sexist. It's to sort of like ask serious questions about the genre in the same way that it's yeah. like, it's good we were able to get past the, the the idea of like, yeah, did we uh, is is um, is you know Ernest Hemingway a good author even if he's sexist sort of thing like right. it, you know we were able to, we were able to work past that and that's good. Um, I do also think though that because we worked past that, we're in kind of the the weird. Uh, Let's talk about the gameplay because now we've decided that like none of the yeah. none of the stuff about about class or or race or sex or whatever gender or whatever is like none of that matters. We decided we decided right. like after we'll shrug it, it, it shrug matter. it off. Yeah, exactly. We don't want to. Yeah, be well, and it's a bummer. Yeah. It's a bummer because I actually think that like in some ways we taught the wrong lessons when we were going through this this stuff before. Mm -hmm. 
like the thing that I this came up in the abnormal I, I guess on abnormal mappings Final Fantasy 16 episode a few months ago uh, a game I don't like <laughs> I think it's like <laughs> you, you and Dia race class gender let me tell you <laughs> whiff 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 you strike three you're out you know um, a lot of swinging on breaking balls in that game um, but one of the things that, that I, I, I claimed on that game that, that's probably a controversial claim was that if you made me hand to God like make a claim which is is Final Fantasy 16 or uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 more sexist more misogynistic I think it's Final Fantasy 16 and that's saying that knowing that Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is filled with like deeply objectifying misogynistic <laughs> character designs especially for these like uh, collectible like characters that you can use in battle there's like people Pokemon in that oh, game God. called Blades um, and like the dudes are all just kind of like regular guy who has big arm you yeah. know and the women are like uh, you know Tijuana Bible, <laughs> you know, <laughs> twisted ass and titty forward at the same time, impossible, Great, yeah, no, you know, grotesquery totally. designs. Um, and and nevertheless, that is a game that, like, has women in it who have, like, opinions about the world and who talk to one another and have, like, thoughts about the events of the story and are part of the big factions and have, you know, moments of, 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 you know, pathos and have, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and it's a fucking harem game, yep. frankly, you know, and nevertheless, the women in it are agents who have opinions and feelings and character characteristics. And like Final Fantasy 16, like repeatedly forgets that there is a major female character <laughs> like she's just off screen and can't get involved for some reason um uh it's miserable it's so bad she i've never felt like kingdom hearts level oh fuck right there's this girl here <laughs> shit we have to do something about her and like to me that is more misogynistic uh or 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 rather you know again i'm being i'm being it's it's a polemic argument right it's meant to raise eyebrows to say it that way like it's more blah 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 but we don't talk about it in those terms and that's because we don't think about things like sexism structurally in, in terms of structural narrative yeah. right where is the camera who's getting attention who's allowed to act who is allowed to act in what ways uh who's allowed to change the narrative who can like spin something in a new direction etc uh and it's not really useful to be like oh which is more sexist and the reason i say it in the, that kind of like it's more sexist terms is to raise eyebrows and say like hey we should be paying attention if we, we want to write about sexism in games we do want to write about misogyny we do want to write about racism we want to write all this stuff we can't just think about it in terms of like you know the bare bones are there women in the game and right it, it is their titty out you know what i mean like we have to go one step past that to these broader structural systemic critiques um uh because otherwise i think we are we've taught the wrong lesson and what we've taught is like did it bust out the the you know the ism calculator is it rate how how high is the racism score in the right. game and that's like not the way to do good work it's the way to like assuage your guilt uh, that lets you say that you're playing the good games which is like one of the most frustrating things in the world to absolutely me, is when someone is like i only play the games that don't have objectionable content in them and it's like which games i don't see any around here that don't have objectionable <laughs> you content play, you them, played frankly. yeah like uh, you played like the three games that don't have objectionable content that i've ever yeah Truly. And, and like i, I it is interesting because like this is sort of the thing that that ends up happening you know like in the in the episodes on on danganronpa that i've been doing with uh, sam sheehan right I mean, this comes up all the time when it's like yeah. okay look like yes these characters are absurd like sexualized like caricatures in some senses, 
is it also like a game that deeply respects these characters and like imagines them as wholly like crafted people? Yes, somehow. Right. And it's like balancing those two things and being like, OK, look, like I don't think people should be objectified like this. But I also think this game does better than like triple A games in writing women. Like that's a complicated idea. And I think, you know, one of the ways yeah. to, to kind of like uh, flesh out or, or to rephrase the, what you were saying about like the way that the journalism has changed, maybe not in a good way, is like or criticism rather, is that we're not really willing to ask complicated questions. We're not really willing to take these complicated framings and, and, and approach those. It's, it's much more about, uh, as you say, like it's easier to have something bite-sized that'll actually hit the, hit the, um, yep. uh, search engine, right? Like it's SEO. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, it's frustrating because no one involved likes that. No, <laughs> you know, no one involved is like, this is the way we want to be doing this. Of course you know? not. Um, and it is it, it undercuts good work and uh, it limits what you can greenlight. You know, one of the most frustrating things in the world for me was getting pitches that I thought were good and then looking at what our budget was. And this is really came in the waypoint year, the later waypoint years while I was there mm-hmm. um, was like our, our freelance budget just got decimated. Like I, I've said this number before, so I'll say it again is like our freelance budget one year got cut by 73 percent. Oh. Um, and that's like. Partly that reflects that we had a huge freelance budget those first few years. We were greenlighting. I, I don't. It's it's one of those things where it's like, um, I I don't want to. Part of the reason I'm so skeptical about the hmm, how do I want to come into this? We came in with a mission, right? Like we were like we were going to change the world of games journalism. We were we were truly smelling our own farts, <laughs> you know. Like we were we wanted to change the world. Um, uh, and we thought we were going to have a hard time of it, but like we felt equipped to do it in certain ways. And one of the ways we felt equipped to do it was by greenlighting tons of freelance material. Yeah. We were spending tens of thousands of dollars every season. You know, we're spending $10,000 a month basically on freelance, um, which is not heard of. Like, we were like every day we were running between seven and 11 pieces. Our staff was me at launch, was me. Mike Diver, Danielle Riendo, Patrick Klepik, Danica was working as our social editor. Right. Um, uh, everything else was freelance. We were writing maybe one piece per person per day. Unbelievable. Right? Maybe. And the rest was freelance, right? So that's between two and seven pieces of freelance a day. Uh, and most days I wasn't writing anything because I was just editing everything. Danielle wasn't writing anything. She was editing stuff, right? right? Um, and so we were to, and, and that was a mix of, uh, preview coverage and reviews and lots and lots of personal essays and crit. We were like pumping money into the world. Like I, truly, again, my our launch budget was one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year of, of freelance. Wow. Some of that stuff we went like, like, truly, and we spent it. We spent that's all. That's fantastic. Of it. This is what I mean, yeah. right? And like we put that money in into the economy to see if it could do anything, right? And the answer is it doesn't. <laughs> like it, it didn't do anything. Um, uh, most of those pieces get tiny readership, right? Sure. You pay someone, you know, four hundred bucks to write their heart out about, a, you know, a game that made them understand that they were queer, uh, or what their relationship to gender was, or what their relationship with their parents were, their relationship to, to, you know, drugs or alcohol or what their, whatever it is, right? And then like it gets sub ten thousand views, which is like. In a in a mag- or in a publication like Vice, you know, in a in a, in a network like yeah. Vice, where there's literally a board that you can see how many concurrents are there on every God, article that's at the so same brutal. time. It's brutal. Yeah. It's like no one cares, and of course, 
10,000 people cared or 5,000 people. And that's a lot of people, but. And it's a lot of people, but for Vice, it's no. Feels like a drop in the bucket. Yeah. And, and it's, and you know, you, what lets you cut that is it turns out most of our traffic in a given week comes from Patrick writing something called like, this door hasn't been opened in an MMO in 15 years, <laughs> and now it's going to be open, you know, or whatever, right? Uh, I've, I've slaughtered that. And, and like, well, when, when that article does half a million views, or when, you know, I do a review of, of the Breath of the Wild and there's 250,000 views, like, hey, as long as we keep those up, we'll cut your freelance budget because it's not doing anything anymore. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Um, right, you're, you're cursed and, by confidence, as you said. You're cursed by competence. Exactly. It's like, okay, well, like, figure out how to turn your, how to, figure out how to get 50,000 more views out of your 250,000 uh, view piece instead of paying someone for 50, to, to write, you know, 10 more pieces that would get 5,000 views each. Right. It's actually easier to, to turn 250 into 300 than it is to, to sit there and edit. Because, by the way, any piece that comes in was getting seriously edited. We took that super seriously, right? Like, especially once Rob came on, it was like me, Rob, and Danielle, and then for a little bit, Mike, before Mike left. Uh, before Mike was let go, I should be clear. Uh, Vice UK let Mike go. I shouldn't say left, like as if that was like a choice for Mike. Vice UK with no fucking. It, we we came into work one day and Mike Diver had been had been laid off. Sucks. And we were like, "What the fuck are you talking about? It sucked." Um, but you know, that's all time that we were spending editing on top of that, right? Uh, and so there was a real like, okay, we tried it. We did try to pour money into this and pour effort into making people's articles as best as they could. Uh, and and fundamentally, like, I don't know that it moved any needle <laughs> anywhere. Right? What it did do, I hope, is like provide some amount of, you know, short term mentorship for people who wanted to write for us yeah. or give people the chance to to read articles that they weren't going to read other places. It's certainly going to spend money on weird things like the uh, the various like tent poles that we did around things like carceral justice mm-hmm. uh, and guns and games and stuff like that that I don't think we would have gotten to do with a smaller budget. Yeah. You know? um, so w- worth it in the end, who the fuck knows? Um, <laughs> well, but, I mean, th- but I th- very much tied to, the, at the end of the day, the SEO stuff and the, the raw traffic stuff sure. just is too brutal to, to play around. Uh, they, they, people... People in growth on the growth team of your favorite pot or of your favorite website do not care about the quality of the article. No, of course not. You know? I mean, this is like it, what's 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 so interesting about this too is like it really does speak to the uh, the truth of the matter, which is like yeah, like what you I'm trying to think of this like at any given point the business end of this is not going to care about the quality of your work. Like you you will never, you will never be worth it from the sense of like the business arm of things Uh, because you you can't be, it's impossible. It would always be better if like I, you know, I, it was so funny. I was, I was looking for jobs like um, uh, recently and I, I found a job at um, what was it? Uh, Well, I didn't, take this job. So I, I shouldn't say I found a job. Uh, I, I found like the possibility of freelance work at uh, CBR. This was before I realized what had happened at CBR. <laughs> and they sent me like the, the rates and I was like, okay, great. Like, you know, maybe I should take this. Like, you know, I, I need the money. And you know, like my wife who has been, you know, very, very good waiting with me while, you know, I, I was laid off from, from corporate work even she like, you know, she was of course very, very concerned about this as was I, it's just, it's tough. But like I told her the rates and she was like, you can't take that. Like (laughs) that's, 
that's insulting. Like, why would you take that money? And it is, it is like, it is this, it's this weird thing that I think we've, we've done to ourselves in part because, I mean, look, in part because of what, what we all saw with Waypoint and, but also in part because like we, it's very difficult to understand the, the difference between a healthy and interesting workplace. That's a, a, a journal. And then a, a messed up one that is that is like toxic and and sort of exploitative and I I feel like at any given point the vices and uh, CBRs of the world are going to be fine with the exploitative one right um, yep. yep but it's okay it's like it doesn't make the fact that you are able to do something interesting any worse I guess right that's true right yeah and, and like that's the thing I said I I. I have always been someone who believes fundamentally that like the best, our best strategy in the world is to like trick rich people into yeah. giving us money to make. Cool and you shit, did right? for a little bit, <laughs> and we did for a, for a little bit, right? And uh, and I'll take that. Yeah, it's a dub. Yeah, it's a huge dub. Uh, and and it's it's easy to it's really easy to focus in on the. You know, Evan Turner talking about losing the bite, losing the belief that you're that guy that you have that you're the one. You know that you can you can go out there and like make that difference on the team to make that difference in the world. It's very. Oh, I feel like that all the to, time. I mean, listen, that. that's yeah, of course, so hard not to feel that way. And it's really hard to like look at the the years and like count the dubs instead of stacking the L's. <laughs> so so I appreciate it. It it is it is a weird arc, uh, I will say. Um, uh, but also, you know, it is, it is, I get to work with a bunch of really cool people, uh, and I got to, to publish a bunch of stuff that I think is like genuinely some of the coolest stuff that's been written in. Oh, years. totally. So like, you know, all in all, uh, a, a, an immense positive. And like, and, and I think that like certain lessons, like, you know, you, you were saying like, there's no business that's going to like, no, no real publisher is going to like invest in the, the anything but the least efficient, or sorry, except for, uh, no publisher is going to invest in something so inefficient as freelance games criticism, um, which is why I'm happy that like Remap, right, or Remap yep. Radio, right now started just added uh, written stuff back. That's to their, so cool. Back to their site, uh, and the way that they're like talking about it is, it is it is a it is a thing that they're doing despite it not making them any money, right? It's a thing they're doing because they believe that it's important to do, even though they know it doesn't pay the bills. The bills get paid by something else, by by you know podcasts and streams, and then you 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 know take your writing tax from that income. You yeah, know, you, you go and you tithe to the to the writing gods because you believe that writing is an important part of of the kind of cultural discourse. Well, that's I mean this is modernism. Uh, it's the loss leaders, right? Like you you put yeah, out the stuff uh-huh. that makes money, so you can put the, also put out the stuff that's important. Important. But like the thing that's so fucked up about our current moment, right, is that like we were recording this the day that it came out. Maybe it was yesterday that it came out that uh, Warner Brothers uh, buried this this Wiley Coyote oh, yeah, movie the, the, that yeah, the, today. And it's like it, every single person is putting out like it, it's so funny because it, it sounds like a gag. It's like, well, Warner Brothers has yes. has has decided to bury my like live action Looney Tunes movie with John Cena and you're like, oh, screw off, like whatever. But then you like, yeah. they, like the guy who did the orchestration was, was working. It's like, it's yeah. like really vintage Looney Tunes sounding like, yeah. it's like God, that's you see this, like practical effects <laughs> and it's like real locations and it sucks. And it's like, we shouldn't live in a world where the economic system, it makes it more beneficial to bury this thing in a vault than it does to release mm-hmm. it. That just shouldn't be the world we live in, you know? The investment should have, have 
fundamentally, they should have put the money in. And and at this point, the best thing you could do is release it and get back for it what you get back. Yeah, exactly. You I know? mean, that that was always that was always kind of the deal, right? Like that was. And yep. what's, I think what's like that on some level, that's also kind of what ended up happening with with games writing, too, where you're like, I wonder if EGM makes any money. And it's like it didn't matter. Right. It, it kind of made some. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I have one more question before I before I let you go, because I've, I've kept you for a long time. Um, as a as someone who's worked in it before, as someone who who has like um, been been in the the uh, the seat of like an editor and a, and, a, and a writer and all of these places and sort of like sitting out of it or, or sort of somewhat on the side of it now. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think people should be focusing on? Just even generally, like moving forward at this point, like what 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 as let me put it this way. If, yeah, if you were, who do you mean by people? yeah? No, I was actually going to be specific. It's like what, like you, you sound like my advisors in grad school. Um, <laughs> what do you mean people? Oh well, I guess I need to be more specific. Um, oh. The, um, um, it's like the. Um, if you thought like as an ideal in an ideal world, like you as a you know placed placed as an editor right. with with ultimate. Financial leniency. I get at all. that budget back exactly. Again. I get that budget the, and yeah. more. Yep. And and they yep. just say, Austin, like the reason we're giving you this is because we trust you to make the kind of uh, writing, video, audio, whatever culture yeah. site that will work. Um, what would you What would you say that you would do? Like what What would be the What would be the the thing that you would focus on? Uh, it's it's a nightmare to think about this. Uh, thank you for doing this for me. Um, I would... Um, well, the first thing I would do is ask a lot of questions about the budget, right? Because on one hand, we had all that budget at Waypoint for freelance stuff, right? But that was for freelance stuff. That was not a room where we could go do live streams, mm-hmm. for instance, right. right? It's like we didn't have that, which is like a corporate. So it's like, okay, are we going to get that? How much headcount are we going to mm. get? You know, because that $120,000 does not turn into, well, I couldn't have traded that away for another staff writer, for instance. You know what I mean? Interesting. Um, uh, this is not how it works. It's not like we had that money in our well, pocket. It's like, yeah, so that we could the run adjunct that, budget right? is not a budget for a new tenure track employee. That's exactly right. it, right? Exactly, right? And it's not a budget for uh, a new lab. Right, you know, right. or for a new computer exactly. or a new whatever. Yeah, it all, right? it's all different, different budgets, budgets, right? And, and we had our, our freelance budget was really big, and so we leaned on that for that, those years. So first thing I'd do would be like, all right, for real, for real, though. I need to know what I'm working with. But imagining that I had, like, a, a big, a, a real big amount of stuff, I think, like, the thing that, that I would try to do would be something really holistic. Mm. Um, uh, it would be to bring enough people together who could do, you know, a thing that I wish we'd been able to do was YouTube essays. Mm. Right? Uh, you, you go, you look at the stuff that Jay Geller and uh, you know Errant Signal, Errant Signal, uh, or or you know uh, someone who stopped doing it, but who I really liked for a long time was Umbrella Terms. Okay. Um, uh, she made really really great videos, and it's like people who are making cool YouTube crit. Next to people who are doing, you know, uh, Jacob Geller does live streams for like charity and stuff pretty regularly, right? But like his, his, he's not a streamer in that mm. way, right? Um, next to that, and then next to long form games writing. Uh, and to make those things talk to one another, Ooh, right? Um, that's interesting. Because, and to, and to build something that actually has the right set of people who uh, can, you know, one of my favorite things we did back at Waypoint was like a game comes out, Battletech comes out, right? Rob's gonna review Battletech. 
we then did at the time we were doing reads of those of those reviews, right? So R- Rob would record his read of the BattleTech review, okay, uh, and that read would go into uh, a uh, a podcast feed with a conversation. I would then interview Rob about the BattleTech review, right. right? And then we would go do live streams of it, right? And I think the right crew who could go you know, a step further than that. And, you know, uh, God, what was the Jake Geller did a video on um, I'm going to look this up, um, a ridiculous game that came out this year uh, uh, called God, what was it called? Was this really only just two months ago? Was this longer than that? <laughs> what was the what was the game about? It wasn't, um, it, uh, here it is. It was seven months okay. ago. Uh, it is a game called uh, Wanted Dead. You no, remember, I don't you know this Wanted game. Dead? Uh, <laughs> Wanted Dead. Ooh, how to even how to even describe it? <laughs> it has like a Team Ninja vibe. Okay, all right. Um, uh, it's like an action game where you're playing like a hack and slash cop in Hong Kong, where you're fighting like cyborgs and zombies sounds, and stuff. Sounds great. I'm, uh, I'm basically Jacob sold. Has a, Jacob Miller has a video called The Strangest Game of 2023. <laughs> Great video. 30-minute long video. Go watch it. And it's like, I would like the version of, the, of a website that, like, Jacob could do that. That article could, could also exist in some sort of written form. And then also, we do podcasts and live stream content around it, right? And it's like, all right, this week, we're all going to, like, dig into this thing. Or we have, like, multiple streams of that going on. You know, it's like, it's the shit that I... Unfortunately, the answer to this is like what I'm making is a website that's really, really for about forty thousand people <laughs> in the world. But I, I think right? that's okay. Like I, I, I think yeah. so too. But you don't get the no, money. No, that's for that's it. true. The money doesn't. You have to lie money and say it's for okay. forty million people. <laughs> and 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 some of you wasn't a lie, right? Like when we started Waypoint, the thing that we said was like we think that there is this audience out there that wants to be talked to like they're mm-hmm. adults, that wants to who already knows the language of video games. Right. And maybe and maybe some of them aren't even, quote unquote, gamers, but they played WoW in college and they know what it is to level up in an RPG. And so we can do a reported piece about uh, an MMO that they'll click on because they know enough to to follow the story in language that doesn't talk down to them. Right. Right. And the answer was like, yes, that audience exists. And it's way smaller than you wish it was, <laughs> right? Um, and and so, like, to some degree, I think, yeah, that this version of a website would be really, really fun. Uh, also, the audience is just not as big as you want. And also, our attention is just not the way it used to be for this. You know, I didn't say the word TikTok, so, like, this site's already fucking failed, <laughs> you know? It, and I don't know how to use it in this for, for this, necessarily. It is interesting, you know? though, to hear you talk about the site. And, 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 and like I said, I'll... Uh, I will let you go, but like uh, it's interesting to hear you talk about that and think about it in terms of like connection and 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 something that speaks to like a series of different genres and, and things like that because it, it is like it's not it's not any one thing it's kind of everything which yeah. I I mean yeah. it seems like kind of correct to me. I mean I think that also just speaks to how fragmented everything is mm-hmm. right now, right? Um, we, uh, I will say that at my day job, we, a couple of months ago, I mean, more than a couple now, we're interviewing people for potential like community type roles, right? Or like marketing community, you know, um, kind of forward facing comms type stuff, right? Um, uh, and one of the questions I kept asking people in interviews was like, hey, what's social media now? <laughs> like, how do you, what would your social media strategy be for our game, but for a game in general? And the answers that really impressed me were the ones that were like, listen, we can't talk about social media 
as a sort of uh, primary mode of communication right now. Everything is up in the air in a way that's not um, useful for us to pour time Interesting. into. Yeah, we would want a Twitter presence. Yes, we'd want to be on TikTok. But five years ago, what I would say is we would be on Facebook first and foremost, and then we would also keep presences on places like Twitter. But we don't know what's happening in social anymore. And so we would treat those all as kind of secondary uh, uh, places and, and, and treat, you know, kind of our owned and operated uh, uh, you know, pathways to users as our primary one. And we'd mostly want to try to funnel people into our primary, which is also what's happening in media, yeah. right? It's people funneling people to their newsletters. Yes. Yeah. Right? Um, and and that's where we're at right now. And the, the world of that is like so much less fun <laughs> um, and so much less discursive. There's not that sense that there's a conversation going on every week the way there used to be. Um, or, or to the degree that it is, it's only about truly the worst stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, free Palestine, ceasefire now. Like that shit is stuff that it feels right to talk about on social media. But like I don't want to talk about Baldur's Gate three stuff on social media. It doesn't feel well, especially I'm talking when, about that in my discord groups, you know, yeah, but, I think especially when we're talking about, you know, free Palestine ceasefire now, like, like those, like when, when that is what you should be talking about when it's right. like, okay, right. like we, we right. got, we got Baldur's gate three or that it's like, well, and I think like, yeah, and I'm not dissing people who are talking no, about Baldur's gate three. On but Twitter. It, it can be yeah, tough. I'm just saying that like, and also, like, the fragmentation has happened because it's not just Twitter. It's also Blue Sky. It's also Mastodon instances. And so, like, nothing gets the the sort of, like, it used to feel like you were kicking the ball around a little yeah. bit. You yeah, know what no. I mean? It's like, okay, this week we're going to talk about, like, Near Automata or whatever. And, like, we're all kicking the ball around. And, like, that doesn't really happen anymore. Mm-hmm. The fragmentation was really set in to where it feels impossible on top of... Twitter being a hostile environment post Elon, sure. but even pre Elon, it was like not a great place no. to have a conversation anymore. Not you know? particularly. Yeah. Um, and so like, it's a, it's a little bit of a bummer that like that part of, I miss that part of the era when, when I was like out there because the, it was fun to be able to put an idea into the world and bounce it around, you hmm. know? Uh, and it feels less like that happens now. And like, that's not a Twitter thing. That's, that's a, an everything that's a, thing. There's a healthy discursive space thing because the best version of it was the late 2000s, early 2010s, people writing on blogs. <laughs> yeah. You know, everybody weighs in on Bioshock Infinite. Um, you know, if you go and look up, I, I wonder if it's still up. Uh, I'm doing a search. You can hear me typing. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Cameron's... Um, on Bioshock Infinite page, actually, this was, this is not the right page. Ah, uh, where, where is the? Cl- here it is. Here it is. Here it is. It is interesting. Bioshock Infinite posts podcast in general things from Cameron on April fourth, twenty thirteen, which collects thirty different pieces about Bioshock. Oh Infinite. wow. We were all talking about this game, you know what I mean? And like bouncing ideas off of each other and people were leaning in and talking about formalism and talking about agency and talking about race and talking about gender and bouncing those ideas back and forth. Talking about the game's violence and talking about the game's lack of violence in certain ways and talking about the game like really uh, interesting conversations. There was a discourse in the sense of there being you know, uh, uh, not in the sense of like I'm exhausted by the discourse, but in the sense of there being a discursive space, an ongoing conversation, uh, dozens of people weighing in and saying, "Here is what I think about." Yes, yeah. yeah. And 
that isn't happening anymore. You know, it's true. And yeah, I, I guess I, I don't. I mean, I obviously don't have an easy fix for it, but it's a it's a fascinating thing to think about, particularly in terms of like everyone kind of wondering why why we all feel so distant from each other, why like why AI right. feels so weird, why all this stuff makes us yep. feel so like gross and like and like distant and, and alone. Um yeah, yep. I think no, I think I think you're right. I think that's like I mean if nothing else, I think the 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 fact that the the central problem we have to look at is is this kind of atomization. Um I think you've kind of yeah. like keyed in on it there. I I completely agree. I hope we get somewhere else sometime this time. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know? everything's always changing. We're going to get somewhere else. It, yep. I don't know. I, I can't I, promise it's going to be somewhere different, somewhere better, but somewhere else. Thing, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair. <laughs> maybe it's a place we've been to before, and maybe that's fine, actually. And listen, know? it's it, we still have, like, the Eagles are going to be good for a while, I think. So This is what I was going to ask you is, okay, what do we think? Genuinely. We got a rough, pe- when's, this, when's this episode going uh, It'll come out uh, next week, probably. Okay, so before before, before they play the Chiefs, know, probably post bye yeah. week, but before Chiefs, before Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys, going to be a gauntlet. Yeah, Seahawks. Add, yeah, I mean, you know, but that good. that that these next these next four games, gauntlet. What do you think we come out of that gauntlet? That's at a record? good question. I mean, like my my gut always is just to say two two in those kind of situations. Yep, and like yeah, yep, but yep. you know what? I think they're going to beat the Niners. I. Th- Think they? I think they'll lose to the Chiefs. I, I feel like the. I think they'll lose to the Chiefs. They'll beat the Bills. They'll beat the Niners. They'll lose to the Cowboys. So I, I think I am two and two. Maybe we beat the Cowboys. I gotta. Again. I gotta. I gotta hope three and one because I'd love to sweep the Cowboys for the first time in what feels like forever. That'd be so great. Um, yeah. At at Dallas. You yes. Mean. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Did I say Niners. 100%. I meant Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no. You oh. said Cowboys, but you said I want to beat the Cowboys for the first oh, time no, forever. I said and sweep I was like. Them. Sweep them, sweep them. Yes, I want to sweep them. Yeah, hundred since we yes. swept the Cowboys. I, I just, I would love it's to 100%. do that. In terms of the team itself, I think, I think they're, I think they're absolutely a, a Super Bowl caliber team. I think they just need yeah. to settle down a little bit. I'm thrilled. I'm yep. thrilled. Someone pointed out the other day. They already had a chat. I was in. Maybe it was today, saying like, "Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I was so worried. <laughs> I was so worried the Eagles were going to end up like the 2016 um, yeah. Panthers." Where like all oh, of a sudden, yeah, sure. we hit the we hit the uh, <laughs> we hit the Super Bowl, we lost, and now we are nothing. Uh, and like, it's so great that it's not going to be that. It and it by all rights should have been the talent that we lost, both in coaching staff and and on the team, yep. could have broken that way. And then like know? thinking, okay, did did uh, did did Jalen not ha- like is Jalen figured out? Is like, mm-hmm. but like no, it's just all good. <laughs> It's great. Dialed in. Uh, really glad the bye week came when it came. Oh. Uh, I was really worried about Jalen's yeah, knee. Yeah, well, it, it, it came uh, brutal, like it brutal, brutal, uh, brutal, brutal bye week placement. I mean, talk about a guy who like very clearly thinks, oh, yeah, I can do it. I'm I'm that guy. Jalen Hurts, like I'm just gonna suck it up and go be a superstar. Is I. I don't know what's running through that. Someone correctly pointed out that like it is really cool that like the one quarterback who's like not who can say all the corny stuff and the 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 role model stuff and actually make it sound legitimate and be a role model is the Eagles quarterback is so cool. (laughs) It's It's so funny because like he's such an odd leader for the team that is 
so down and dirty and Nick Sirianni as the coach is such like a scumbag, lovable Philly guy. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Um, and then Jalen Hurts. Well, like the thing here's the thing about Jalen Hurts that I think fits. It, it all came together for me when I realized he was a military brat. Oh, that. his dad is like a military guy, right? And it's like, ah, ha. Okay, okay. Yep. I see Adds it. Up. I can feel. Also, it. I also know. Also, he it. was a football. Also, his dad was the football coach too, which he is was just a football like, coach, right? There correct, we go. Correct. Correct. Am I wrong about this? Is it just that his dad is a football coach? Am I? Am, am I? Am I? Hmm, I'm gonna double check. I'm gonna double check. Hmm, maybe I made this part up. Maybe I was no, no. confusing it. You're right. It's real now. Coach. It's real to me now. Okay, it's real. It's re- we, it's real we created us. it. It's yes. it's the okay, it's a tulpa sure. or whatever. Um, but but a, a right, good yeah, a yeah, good yeah. We, we, we willed it into being. <laughs> congratulations yes, to 100%. congratulations to military brat Jalen Hurts for finally finding a, a home. <laughs> okay, well, if he isn't, he seems like right, one. if he isn't, he He's is one thing. now. So it's, and it's, I also think that if your dad is your football coach. That's basically your military. You're, you're kind of yeah. No, you, you sort of you, you know what you're, I mean. You're a military brat and a pastor's kid, then. Right. Well, that's the that is the other half of it. It does feel like pastor's. Yeah, kid. but like he's so, he's he's not the rebellious yeah. kind of pastor's kid. No, no, no. He's he's the like yes sir, yeah, yes exactly. sir. Well, and then we go back no, to military. Yep, nope. You're totally right. Back to this military. This is the vibe. Brat. This is the vibe. Yep. yep. I don't think it's real. I think I made this. No, up. no, it's real now. I think I dreamt this and woke. you ever dream something and you wake up and you're like, that's true. I dreamt the other day um, <laughs> that the Eagles lost to the Ravens Eagles on their bye week. Super Bowl no, or no, just the, a regular game. They did like a bye week second like game for fun. I don't know. I, my brain was like they lost to the uh, Ravens 27, 26. And I was so mad. Wow. Um, and I, I woke up and I was still mad. And I was like, no, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been uh-huh. there. I've been there. Um, but Austin, I'll let you go. I, uh, I have a, I have a tiny little child next to me who, uh, wants me to help okay. him get back to bed too. Um, that makes it's, sense. it's, it's not, yeah, that, that's not a euphemism for, uh, uh, you, my guest or, or my audience or anything. It is a real tiny child. Uh, but, uh, thank you for coming on. This was, this was, this was really, really great. Um, I'm really glad we got to talk about all this. This is, uh, super Absolutely. interesting to me. Tell people where they can find your stuff again. Uh, obviously Austin underscore Walker, wh- wherever and whenever you, uh, you know, not true no. anymore because on co-host, I'm just Austin. Oh my! They don't have an underscore over there, and the idea of going Austin hyphen Walker just felt so wrong. <laughs> uh, okay, so I went just Austin, Austin and co-host. Austin on Got co-host. It. Austin underscore Walker on Twitter and Tumblr, and or actually, I'm not on Tumblr anymore. I'm Clockwork Worlds on Tumblr, but like I don't post. You know, uh, but uh, Instagram and on Instagram, I'm a underscore walk. I'm like different. Wow. OK, I, I really days. gave you a lot of credit here. Um, I think you could probably <laughs> search your name. This is, like, they shouldn't have let me be in charge of IP. My IP is all this over is, the This place. is rough. I'm, I, I hope your company is not listening to this episode. I, I hope not. They would have given up once we started talking about sports. <laughs> uh, Friends of the Table, A More Civilized Age, Shelved by Genre is the new one, which you can find as part of the Ranged Touch Network, if you want to hear me talk about science fiction books and fantasy books. And now that the strike is over, sci-fi and fantasy movies. All right. And who knows what else? Genre is a big space, right? Pirates are genre fiction. Genre, you know, uh, 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 westerns and uh, crime fiction and romance are all oh, genre fiction. Like read the genre the fiction, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So shelved by genre. Give that a listen. I think people would would enjoy it. All right. Excellent. Yeah. And you know where to find me. So go check out Austin at all of those places. Keep an eye out for the game. Uh, when it comes out, I will uh, absolutely uh, find Austin and force him to be back on the podcast. Yeah, I'll be back. Yeah, I'll pitch will, it. I'm be here so excited. It, like, you should play it. Let's, Let's talk do it. it. Um, all right. Well, thanks so much for being on. And I'll talk to you all later. Yeah.
Thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash no cartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash Hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.